before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is available to watch on our very own YouTube channel, so you can now watch as well as listen. Uh, stay healthy and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Joining me on the pod is Olympian Luke Stain, ski racing superfan Ben Clark. We're here to discuss the highs and the lows of the 2020 World Cup season after an abrupt finish to the season. Boys, it's been an eventful few weeks from a sporting perspective. How have you kept yourselves busy? It has been boring. Uh, <laughs> there has been no sport on to watch. And as you know, that is basically the cornerstone of everything in my life. So it's been pretty boring. Might have to pick up some languages. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Luke? Yeah, just sort of scary times. I mean, can imagine a, a world where you can't turn on the telly and, and, you know, pick up a sport no matter what it, you know, if you usually watch it or not. Um, you know, rugby, uh, football, F1, you know, the usual, all sort of looking not that great at the moment. Um, and then sort of, you know, further down the calendar, the Olympics, uh, Summer Olympics. So scary. Yeah, it's really scary. I mean, I, I kind of feel sorry for those Summer Olympic guys. I mean, you and I both went to Olympic Games. Uh, sorry, Ben. You know, it's the pinnacle of any athlete's career. So to have that under threat and in jeopardy is, I, d I just can't comprehend that, how that would feel. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've worked four years minimum, maybe eight. Your whole life, yeah, mate, whole yeah, life. whole life, and, and that's basically sort of thrown out the window. Let's see what they can do with the reorganising, but uh, yeah, sad times for the athletes and, and all the organising staff. I mean, it can't be a small task organising no. an Olympics. Um, you know, let alone the Japanese who always, you know, crosses, crosses their T's, dots their I's. So, yeah, really sad to, to, to see that sort of um, out of their control kind of element being thrown at them. Um, let's take it to the, to the skiing. Let's think about, uh, we've had a really quick end to the World Cup season. We've lost races a, a few weeks ago in Ofterschwang due to snow conditions. That was a cancellation for the ladies. But then we've lost the final weekend of World Cup. We lost uh, the tech races from Kranskagora for the men. We've lost the speed races in RA for the ladies. Oh, no, sorry, the tech races in RA for the ladies and also World Cup finals. Um, who were the big winners and losers when it came to these cancellations? I mean, you have to say Kilda and Brignone are probably the biggest winners as they, it meant their overall uh, globes were wrapped up without having to do anything. But obviously disappointing for them, they would have wanted to have sealed it with victories or strong performances. But when you're taking home uh, the, the biggest prize, you'll take it however it comes. I know, you think, uh, Brignone, she, she won the title, the overall title by considerable margin, so not quite as... as uh, fortunate for her but when you look at Kilda won it by a few points 50 odd points meant that Pantro didn't get his chance to take the globe um, and I think that I think Kilda would be he'll be pleased obviously because he's won a globe but at the same time I don't think he would have wanted to take this title uh, um, under these circumstances. No I mean it's the first time a speed specialist has won uh, the overall since uh, Kala Yanka 2010 mm. um, so he'll be proud about that but under the circumstances you know you it's hard to not feel that lingering point that you may have not had it and it, the final races would have been you know good ones to, to have won it on um sad for pinto out would he have closed the gap maybe maybe not i think i, I kind of think you have to say that he probably would have done you had two tech races he was only 50 points behind he could easily have won he was when we took the um the winners picks from from you guys listening to the podcast we Pantero was the main man that was winning multiple races across the weekend. He was definitely favourite to take one win, you know, easily two podiums, and that would have been enough for him to take 
the you know take the lead going into finals. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a bitter uh, bitter pill to swallow for the French team as well on yeah. the tech side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we said at the start of the year this could be the season of the Asterix for not having Marcel Herscher here, and now it's going to be <laughs> the season of the Asterix for cancellations everywhere. Yeah, yeah. and then double win for uh, Norway because Christofferson was not leading the GS or the slalom by a huge amount. So I know Noel, Clement Noel, was biting at his heels by two points yeah. in the slalom. So Christofferson had a lot to lose going into those last few races and the finals, um, and the French were, you know, could only gain from it. So yeah, I think you're right. The French are the big losers there on the men's side, at least. <laughs> yeah, I think it's tough. Also, actually, when it comes to the the tour, we saw Michaela Schifrin coming back to the World Cup scene. She hadn't confirmed that she was going to race after her uh, unfortunate passing of her father uh, earlier on in the winter. She said that she was going to come back to the Tour. We were looking forward with fingers crossed that she was going to take to the stage and compete. She still had a chance for multiple Globes, even though they were long shots, but the title that she could have had her hands on, even missing a few uh, weeks of the season would have been the World Cup slalom title. Um, she lost that by just 20 points over um, Vlahova, who took the who took the title, but 20 points the difference. But I remind you of the ladies when they raced in Kranskagora earlier on in the season. Vlahova took the win, but she really should have been in second place because we saw Sven Larsson crash three gates from home, nearly a second advantage. That would have been 20 points less for Vlahova and Schifrin would have still walked away with a joint globe in the slalom standards. That's incredible. When you think back across the season, those small things that play a part in it. And I think that was, I think Sven Larsson was my pick that weekend as well. So I got very upset when she failed uh, <laughs> a couple of games. And I, I, I mean, I never saw it on the list. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, interesting how it's played out. But I think... I think it's probably, the, you know, in hindsight, it's probably the right decision to cancel the races. It just means, that, like you say, Ben, it's another asterisk to this season. It's not just about, the, you know, the non-Hirscher era. It's now, you know, the non-Hirscher plus COVID-19. And even before any of this, there were a lot of cancellations this season. We've covered it a few times over, over the season, whether it was poor snow, whether it was bad wind conditions, just nothing seemed to be able to go right. The organisers did a lot of work throughout the season making sure we could have some races, yep. but there were some times where just nothing was possible. Um, and just it just seems like this season's just been so frustrating. It must be really hard for the athletes being so stop-start yeah. and yeah. really never getting into the stride. You look at the points tallies uh, for some of the Globes and it's nowhere near what they've been previously. And some of that's because there's no standout performers. Others is just because they just haven't got the amount of races in that they would have liked. Absolutely. Um, but we turn our heads and minds towards the Globes. Okay, let's think about the winners throughout the season. I think on the ladies' side, if you take the speed competitions, we saw Suter, Karin Suter, take double titles uh, over the speed races this season. A real sort of, um, I guess, a coming of age sort of for the Swiss. It's not been a, um, a particularly strong previous few seasons for the Swiss ladies or the Swiss men in reality. So actually to have Suter taking home both Super G and Downhill Globes, I think is a uh, is testament to the hard work that's been going on behind the scenes for the Swiss. 
Yeah, and I think the certainly on the men's side, they've been leaning on Foyt for a few years and, and his incredible consistency, but they haven't had as many other people supporting him. And with Suter coming in and taking uh, both the downhill and Super G Globes in, in the speed events for the women, is it really shows that they're, that they're stepping up. And we saw a little cameo towards the end of the year of, the year of Lara Gutbarami coming back yeah, to the kind of form we saw. And we can just have to keep our fingers crossed that she brings that form back with her next year to, to kind of keep the, the, the Swiss moving. Yeah, and I think that also those titles were taken, you know, in, in legit circumstances. It wasn't a case of they'd miss races so that um, Suter was lucky to come away with, with that title. That was wrapped up before we saw any cancellations due to the coronavirus. Yeah, so actually, I think it's, you know, fully deserved and, uh, and very much warranted off the back of some impressive performances and consistency because like we always talk about when it comes to ski racing um, or any sport in reality, if you're looking to take overall titles, it's going to be about being there week in, week out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, like we said, uh, on the men's side, Caveat Sal winning a title without winning a race the whole season uh, just points back to the consistency Absolutely. element. I mean, you know, that's unprecedented. To, I don't think we've seen that in the last couple of years. I haven't. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, yeah, amazing to see. Uh, and again, Swiss coming in there. Yeah. Really had, uh, had, had a bumper season, the Swiss. Yeah, when you took look at Suter, one win, three podiums. Downhill, one win, four podiums. And that's been the difference between her and the others, I think. When we talk about it, we talked about the beginning of the season, who's going to step up, who's going to be the person to take the mantle and move it forward uh, and be consistent and be the real standout performer. And I don't think, uh, barring Suter, we've had that many ladies be consistency. Barring Brignoni, but she's not quite as consistent in the downhills. She's been consistent in Super G and obviously Giant Slalom and now Slalom as well. But in the real sort of core speed events, Suter's been the lady that's sort of taken it on. Uh, on the men's side in the downhill and Super G in the speed section, we, we touch just touched on Caveat Cell. No World Cup wins. He still never won a World Cup, but he's picked up a World Cup globe. Yeah. That's very, very impressive. And also, understandably, that beat for it must be absolutely buzzing, picking up his third uh, title back-to-back. -back. Yeah, uh, domination. I mean, you know, he is a big guy, strong. T to watch him ski, especially on some of those toughest pieces, to hold his line. Oh, dude, so relaxed. I know. Amazing. All the time. Yeah, you know, to be that big, but to be that smooth is, is, is like magical to watch. I really enjoyed that this season. Yeah, we were a little bit robbed with Paris being injured because those two were swapping wins and yeah. podiums week in, week out, up to that injury for, for Paris. So I feel not only we robbed the rest of the season just with the cancellations, but yeah. that could have gone really close. Yeah. Um, they were, they were, there were some of those races in the middle of the season were just outstanding to watch between those two. Do you know, I think it's quite interesting. I, I think with, the, with those two, with Paris and Foyts, I don't think you could have two more different skiers. Oh, I think in, when you look at a race weekend, you look at Bormio, there's no way that you see Foyt's winning in Bormio. You always see Paris winning in Bormio. But likewise, there's no way that you could see uh, Paris, or you didn't get the chance to, but Paris racing in a uh, winning down Wengen. And you can only see a win for Foyt's in Wengen. Like these, the two styles are so... Uh, I don't know what the right word is. So accurate for that type of skiing, it's so tailored. It is, but they're still really close as well, though. Like the amount of times there was only hundreds separating them, even though you were almost adamant that if it was Bormio, it was going to be Paris. Yeah. But then Foyt was there with his complete opposite style, like yeah. within a tenth. And you're like, how? How did two people ski so differently? To, to yeah. Skin a cat, I think. Exactly. Yeah. 
So those two, uh, and caveat cell. I feel like they, when, it, when they gave him the, the trophy, when they gave him the globe in Kvitfell on the morning of the last cancelled race uh, due to weather, not due to corona, um, that he kind of looked a little sheepish, I kind of felt. I don't know if you guys saw that and mm. when, when they did the awards ceremony. He was obviously super happy, but I kind of feel like he was taking it a little bit. Just not even being able to put a stamp on it. Not necessarily with and a win, it. but just with another performance yeah. that day, he could have got another podium, and then you feel like you've earned it. Whereas you're all there, or you've got all your kit, they've cancelled the race, now saying, here, come to this award ceremony. I don't feel like I've won anything yeah. today. Yeah. Must be pretty hard for them. How do you guys feel about sort of, you know, the Norwegian speed handover from Svindal to the younger guys? I don't know. I think it's a mix of disappointment and also, you know, killed kill obviously in there with, with some great results. But... I've been a little bit disappointed in that transition. I just feel like we haven't seen the best of Jansrud, barring uh, the win that he got in Kitzbühel. I don't feel like we've had his, we've seen his best skiing. He's been yeah. going through loads of ups and downs. He struggled a little bit to find consistent form. Again, back to consistency. How do we, you know, and all that sort of thing. But I think he's, I think it's a tough transition that used to these two big names, Svindal and and um, and Jansrud really driving the whole team on, and now. It's really Kilda that's driving this team on. Yeah, there's clearly some synergy there before. Yeah. Um, which has been a little bit lost. Yeah, I don't know if Jantra's just missing having Svindal there to, well, to, to drag through, everyone yeah. along. Yeah. I mean, when you've gone through your whole career as a team, I mean, I'm sure it's the same in lots of different sports. When you've, when you've got the other person or the group of people that really drive you to go somewhere, and when that person gets taken away, it's, it's quite a lonely place, even though you're still part of the team. It's, you know, those guys would have spent... 15, maybe even 20 years of their professional careers through their early years, through their sort of fizz levels up until the World Cup, they've not spent a lot of time apart. And to have your other arm effectively taken yeah. away from you, yeah. I think actually maybe we don't give that enough credit in terms of, of how difficult that transition has been for Yandred and now he's expecting a baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big transition. Uh, on to back to the ladies. Let's talk through the tech disciplines. We saw Brignoni take the GS title over Vlahova. Schifrin was just in third place. She just managed, Schifrin still managing to be on the podium in terms of yeah. the overall title with missing a good sort of three, four weeks of the season. Uh, I think Brignoni has been the shining light in the women's tour this season. It's been a case of, I think when we looked at the season, when we looked at who's going to be the dominant force in women's skiing? Is it going to be Schifrin or is it going to be Vlahova? And it was neither. It was Brignoni. Brignoni was incredible. She was on the podium uh, nearly all of the GSs this season. She was always there or thereabouts in terms of top five. Yeah. Um, and strangely, although Vlahova came second, I feel like she didn't really get her GS feet under her this season. Mm. Like she, when I think she's world champ, isn't she? You know, yeah. I mean, and you, and you ex I think we just expected when Schifrin went out to have a little bit more of Lahova picking up the wins, and Bruno only just said, no, I'm, I'm taking this. Yeah, I wonder, it's a little bit like we saw from the men's side when you looked at days without Hirscher, who's going to step up and really take that mantle forward? And I think, which we'll get onto a little bit later, but no, none of the men really stepped up and took that title, took that sort of, I'm the guy to beat. They were all tripping up over each other. And I feel like Vlahova had an opportunity to take them, especially when Schifrin, uh, for, for obviously, uh, for, for very sad reasons, took a step away from the World Cup tour. Vlahova didn't go, this is my time, I'm going to take full... Uh, fully uh, the opportunity that this is going to present to me. Yeah, yeah I mean, usually the saying goes, uh, it's 
hard to get to the top, but it's even harder to stay at the top. But we didn't see that with Brunoni this season at all. She got to the top and, you know, when Schifrin left, she, she, you know, really shone. And it didn't seem like she felt the pressure at all. Whereas Vlahova could have been, you know, biting at her yeah. heels. And, and then like taking the overall. And then taking the overall. I mean, Brunoni, she looks like she enjoys every run she does. Yeah. I think you could say that about the two big winners this season, Kilder. No matter what race it is he's in, he looks like he's having a whale of a time. Yeah. Whether it's the parallels, uh, the combines. Maybe not Kitful, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it looked a little stressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, I, but you talk about Brunoni, but she, she didn't have the pressure. Like I said, we, you know, as ski racing fans, didn't expect Brunoni to be one of the names to, to sort of be at the fore of women skiing. So she was able to sort of come underneath the, uh, you know, underneath the surface and and almost sort of slide into being the best yeah. without meaning to pun sliding. But, you know, she was the person that, that took the mantle. Whereas all focus, all performance was about who's going to do better, Schifrin or Vlahova. Next uh, season will be very telling. Yeah. When, when Schifrin's back full time, uh, Baroni's got a, you know, overall globe under her belt. Yeah, defending. Let's see, let's yeah. see yeah, where that goes. Uh, and then... Vlahova did manage to take the slalom title, so she picked up one of the globes that she would have been expecting to, or challenge for at least. Mm -hmm. uh, Schifrin, only 20 points back, like I said in, uh, just earlier on, it could have been so different. Yeah, Sven Larsen missed an opportunity to take her first win of the season in, uh, in slalom. Falls like five gates from home, which cost her uh, was it 45,000 Swiss francs <laughs> with three gates to Yeah, go. I felt for her when she was crying in the finish. Oh, brutal. Oh, that was painful. Absolutely brutal. That was really painful. And she deserved it. She'd been working hard. Yeah, she was skiing really well. She'd done yeah. the hard bit. She'd come off the steep of Kranzkogora down onto the flat. She had three or four turns left to go. And um, she I could taste know. the dollar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, about to, about to taste that champagne and, and, <laughs> and ended up on her backside, which then left the door open for Vlahova to take the win there, extra 20 points to what she probably would have taken, or, you know, ifs and buts and maybes, uh, and then Schifrin loses the title um, by 20 points. So I think it's yeah. a tough one. Schifrin, again, we can't really sort of, this season's got a massive asterisk by her name due to, the, due to all her incidents this year. So it's been, a, it's been an up and down season. But one of the things we'll talk about is uh, Leensberger, the one of the only Austrian tech team from men's and from women's to have a good season this year. Yeah, and we, we talked about it right at the start of the season. She had the problems with the kit manufacturer yeah. and what ski she was on. She almost missed the first race of the season. Um, she almost was uh, not going to be able to be on the team yeah, because her off the kit team, was, yeah. wasn't in the pool. Um, and then she came to a deal last minute. And considering she didn't have all summer well, she testing... she never skied on them on the, in that season. Considering she hadn't had any time testing, she jumped straight in, got a few podiums along the way, was quite consistent, had a good couple of weekends, I think, on, on home snow, um, and really, you know, looked like she might be one of the leaders on the, on yeah. the women's Austrian tech side moving forward. Uh, over to the men, the uh, tech side of the men's competition, both Giant Slalom and the Slalom were picked up by Christofferson, who I think, as we talked about, in the early part of this show that Christofferson was one of the real big winners with these cancellations because he won both titles by less than 10 points. The giant slalom title was by six points. The slalom title was by two points. Two points. Um, and you have to say that he probably wouldn't have been favorite going into the last couple of races of the season with those sort of deficits with the form of the guys just behind him. So um, what do you think, Luke? You could see his frustration towards the second half of the season. Uh, you know, the races after Schladming, 
started to go a little bit downhill for an, for him. And he doesn't necessarily, he does well under pressure on the second run. So when he's not leading after first run, yeah. he does really well under pressure. But the general pressure, he doesn't seem to do well with. with. You know, if, if, if he's not raced well in this race before and he comes down after the first run and he's not had a good performance, you can see he darts straight out of the finish area uh, t to his team area and, and doesn't pay attention to any of the media. Um, yeah, he gets, gets those toys. He, yeah, toys out the cart. Um, he was definitely winning um, from, from, from the cancellations. Yeah. Uh, I would really like to have seen Pinter out in the GS and Clement Noel in the slalom chase, chase him down in those, in those last races in the finals. But anyway, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Exactly. Especially we talked about it with, with Marcel uh, on one of the podcasts. Pinto loves the steeps. You know, you've got a cracking steep in Kranchagora. Oh, yeah. yeah. He would have he really enjoyed that. But Christopherson, he's done pretty well to pick up two globes, but he would have been expecting to dominate the overall. Yeah. The last couple of seasons, he has been nipping at Hersher's heels, taking a couple of races off him here and there, but Hersher has walked away with the overall. And he must have been thinking, I'm just going to win all the slaloms and GSs, won't even have to go anywhere near the combines, yeah. and that will be enough for me to win the tour. And he's won the two small globes, but he didn't actually get that close to the overall. No, and then he decides to chuck on the Super G skis yeah. like, <laughs> and, the, and the combined stuff. Right at the end of the season, it's like, dude, you've had all season to pick up points, and it's like, you're right, he expected to do it, expected to be uh, the front runner of, of the overall globes, expected to dominate the slalom and the giant slalom globes, and all of a sudden, it's not going his way, so he's trying everything. He's chucking the kitchen sink at it, getting on the long skis, and the guy's probably not skied on those long skis since he was about 16. So I think he, I guess it was a bit of an eye-opener and definitely a missed opportunity. So Pantero take it a little bit more seriously in terms of, um, spreading his betting a little bit more in terms of, you know, he does chuck on the speed skis. He is a great speed skier. He's, yeah. um, he's easily a, a top 10 Super G skier, obviously winning the globe of the uh, Alpine combined. So the guy is multidisciplined, multi-talented, but he sort of spread it out a little bit more, whereas Christofferson just dropped the ball. I think, you know, the calendar is so packed. Yeah. The, I think Christofferson going into the season must have been like, okay, well, let's concentrate on slalom, giant slalom, and try and, pick up, my yeah, and pick up my points there. And then it got to, you know, panic mode when he realised he started that distance between Kilda and, and um, Pinterau and him for the overall was yeah. increasing. He's like, let's trap on the, the Super G skis. And, it, you know, it was just um, uh, desperation, but yeah. it didn't work. Um, thank God. You yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm quite happy that a speed skier won the overall. Yeah, I kind yeah, of feel yeah. like it's, we'll, we'll move on to it now with the Alpine combines with the way that they changed the second run order. So if you won the speed leg, don't forget you got to go then first in the slalom leg, which hasn't been the case over previous years, just to give the speed ski skiers a little bit of a helping hand when it comes to sticking on the slalom skis, which need all the help they can get. Let's well, be yeah, the big guys um, don't move very well on these little <laughs> tiny skis. They're very difficult. They're only that long. Um, so I think in terms of Fizz have given the tour a bit of a revamp. The Alpine combined is way fresher and it's nice and, and I think it's a lot more even as we saw that, um, what's his face? Maya picking up a win in the, uh, in Wengen. You know, he, he doesn't, he's not a slalom skier and he right. never would have picked up that win had the, had the second runs not been as you finish the speed leg. So actually I think it's, it's given us a nice 
overall sort of picture of the all-rounder, which is what the Alpine Globe is all about. I mean, considering they were talking of removing it from the calendar and just putting even yeah. more parallels, I'm glad they tried something different, which was something at the end of last season we said we want them to try yeah. and adjust it a bit so it mm. makes it a bit more fair because it had just been a conveyor belt of tech winners. Yeah. Um, and you still need to be able to ski the speed leg, but it, it really just was making everything in their favour. So it was, it's good that they tried something and it's good that it kept the entertainment levels pretty high as well. And I think it's actually quite, you're right about the entertainment side. Don't forget sport is, is about entertainment. And I think the speed skiers really enjoyed chucking on the slalom ski, skis and you did have a little bit of a com comedy value to it yeah, watching definitely. some of these big boys trying to <laughs> trying to weave their way doing 70 turns they used to doing like six <laughs> you know, yeah and, and doing but, 80 miles an hour not yeah. tiny little wiggles down a slope but giving them the chance on a fresh piece rather than yeah. one so they can you, you can win the downhill by a second over a tech guy but if you're going down 30 in a slalom and it's not your natural discipline you're in trouble you're in a lot of trouble so it's good that they've given them that option um and and it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up next season. Yeah, well, I hope they're going to stick a few more in the calendar because I think it was a success. Um, yeah. And we saw Pantero absolutely dominate. As well as, actually, to be fair, Brunoni, she dominated as well. So both sides, men and women, both were. Those were the two winners on, in a very short calendar. And when it comes to the parallel format, with the men's side of things, we had parallel giant slalom. For the ladies' side of things, we had parallel slalom. Um, for the, giant sl the parallel giant slalom, I love the concept and I love the fact that it's you know, one-on-one, -on -one, first to the bottom wins, raw sport, really simple for everybody to grasp. And if you win, you're through. If you're not, your day's done, see you later. But at the same time, it's you need so much hill space to do it properly. You need a long piece, as well as a, a wide piece, as well as an even piece, so that the undulations in, in the terrain aren't uneven when you're racing one at a time. If you race one and you swap courses, then it becomes, you know, we're there for the day. And yeah. again, when we talk about sport being a show, it's an entertainment thing that just doesn't work as a concept. We saw loads of athletes throwing their toys out there, prams, getting very dissatisfied with, with the safety aspect, also with the format of how it went. And I think I love it, but I was disappointed how the athletes took it because I think that it's, it's a way of drawing more people into the sport. It's a way of opening our doors and not just having this as a winter sport where only the real winter sports purists are enjoying it. This is opened up to everybody, whether you like sport, whether you like ski racing or you don't like ski racing, you can understand that if that guy beats that guy, he's through. Yeah. Sorry, Ben, you go. That's right, it makes it a lot easier for people new to the sport to understand. Yeah. You're like, well, who, who's winning? The guy who crosses the line first. I liked the GS parallel in terms of it was a lot cleaner than the slalom because there was no cross blocking, you didn't yeah. have panels going everywhere. Yeah. There was one close call with a crash into someone else's course, but it's not the same. But we grew up doing dry slope dual slaloms. People fall in front of each other all the time with very sharp edges on. They're all good enough skiers to get out of the way of each other. It's okay. What I didn't like was the set. That what seemed to be what caused most people the yeah. biggest problems. Like the the roll on the piece was in a place during in the turn where it just didn't work, yeah. and that caused a lot of people to crash and be worried about the safety. But I really didn't like the way the athletes complained afterwards. No. They've all got a representative. They can go back through the representative to FIS say these are these are some things we want you to try and do yeah, to absolutely. make it safer for us, yeah. rather than 
like arranging boycotts on Instagram. You're like, grow up, guys. You're professional athletes. There are people Absolutely. paying to come and see you, and you're being paid by your sponsors, by your manufacturers. They don't want to see that kind of petulance from their marquee stars. And what is refreshing is the man who took it all killed her. It looked like every time he did a run of Jewel, he was having a whale of a time. He, he loved it, he was high-fiving everyone, he was getting the crowd involved, and he was treating it like loved you it. want the ambassador for the tour to do. Yeah. yeah, I massively commend Fizz for giving it a go. Yeah. Um, and you know, trying to make it as fair as possible. I mean, they spent 10 million euros yeah. at, at oh, Chamonix to try yeah. and you know, make the slope as perfect as possible. It maybe wasn't enough at the end of the day, not money-wise, but the, you know, the fairness. But you know, what they do in other sports is they test you know, new events and new, it new rules, but at lower levels. So yeah. don't test it at World Cup level, maybe. Test it at Europa Cup level. Um, and then when it's ready, roll it out to the World yeah, Cup level. Maybe. maybe that's something that Fizz could work on in the future. Yeah. Uh, on the ladies' side, it's little less controversial. The slalom setup, obviously you don't need quite as long piece, you don't need quite as wide piece, um, but we still have this cross-blocking, double cross-blocking. It's a bit ugly in terms of the pictures it's showing us, the viewer, the spectator, loads of flags going everywhere. Some athletes being able to do it because they're slightly bigger, slightly taller, and I feel like the whole thing is just a little bit, uh, it needs tweaking. There's certainly space for parallels to be in the schedule, but yeah. I don't actually think that we've reached exactly where we need to be in terms of a competition. That's all we've got time for for this episode of the 2020 World Cup Review. Luke, Ben, thank you very much for joining. Uh, join us next time as we talk through the surprise performances as well as the races of the season. Goodbye for now.